Chapter Nineteen of Love Insurance by Earl Durr Biggers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter Nineteen. Mister Minot goes through fire. The Duchess of Lismore elected to give her dinner and dance in Miss Meyrick's honor, as near to the bright Florida stars as she could. On the top floor of the Della Pax was a private dining room only partially enclosed with a picturesque view of the palm-dotted courtyard below adjacent to this was a sunroom with a removable glass roof and this the duchess had ordered transformed into a ballroom there in the open the newest society dances should rise to offend the soft southern sky being a good general the hostess was early on the scene marshalling her forces to her there came cynthia merrick radiant and lovely and wide-eyed on the eve of her wedding how sweet you look cynthia said the duchess graciously but then you long ago solved the problem of what becomes you i have to look as sweet as i can replied the girl warily all the rest of my life i shall have to try and live up to the nobility she sighed to think remarked the duchess busy over a great bowl of flowers that to-morrow night this time little cynthia will be lady harrowby i suppose you'll go to rakedale hall for part of the year at least i suppose so i too have had my rakedale hall formal cynthia dear formal nothing but silly little hunts silly little shoots american men would die there as for american women nothing ever happens the hedges bloom in neat little rows the trees blossom they are bare again cynthia sometimes i've been in a state where i'd give ten years of my life just to hear the rattle of an elevated train she stood looking down at the girl and all too evident pity in her eyes it isn't all it might be i fancy marrying into the peerage cynthia said my dear replied the duchess i've nearly died at times i never was exactly what you call a patriot but often i've waked in the night and thought of detroit my little car rattling over the cobblestones a new gown tried on at madame harbier's a matinee and chocolate afterward at that little place you remember it at our house on woodward avenue the good times there on the veranda in the evening and jack little just back from college in the east running across the lawns to see me what became of jack dear he married elise perkins ah i know and they live near our old house have a box when the opera comes entertain the yale glee club every christmas oh cynthia maybe it's crude maybe it's middle class in english eyes but it's home when you introduce that brother of lord harrowby's this afternoon that big splendid chap who said america looked better than a title to him i could have thrown my arms about his neck and kissed him she came closer to the girl and stood looking down at her with infinite tenderness in her washed-out eyes wasn't there any american boy my dear she asked i i hundreds of them answered cynthia merrick trying to laugh the duchess turned away it's wrong of me to discourage you like that she said marrying into the peerage is something after all you must come home every year insist on it 
johnson are these the best caviar bowls the hotel can furnish and the duchess of lismore late of detroit drifted off into a bitter argument with the humble johnson miss meyrick strolled away out upon a little balcony opening off the dining-room she stood gazing down at the waving fronds in the courtyard six stories below if only that fountain down there were ponce de leon's but it wasn't to-morrow she must put youth behind she must go far from the country she loved did she care enough for that strangely enough burning tears filled her eyes hot revolt surged into her heart she stood looking down meanwhile the other members of the dinner-party were gathering with tender solicitude about their hostess in the ballroom beyond dick minot hopeless glum stalked moodily among them into the crowd drifted jack paddock his sprightly air noticeably lacking his eyes worried dreadful for the love of heaven minot asked as they stepped together into a secluded corner what ails you be gentle with me boy said paddock unhappily i'm in a horrible mess the graft dick the good old graft it's over and done with now what do you mean it happened last night after our wild chase of harrowby i was fussed excited i prepared two sets of repartee for my two customers to use to-night yes i always make carbon copies to refer to myself just before the stuff is to be used a few minutes ago i took out my copies dick i sent the same repartee to both of them good lord good lord is meek and futile so is dam put on your little rubber coat my boy i predict a hurricane in spite of his own troubles minot laughed mirth eh said paddock grimly i can't see it that way i'll be as popular as a republican in texas before this evening is over got a couple of hasty rapid-fire resignations already thought at first i wouldn't come but that seemed cowardly anyway this is my last appearance on any stage as a librettist kindly omit flowers and mr paddock drifted gloomily away while the servants were passing cocktails on gleaming trays minot found the door to the balcony and stepped outside a white wraith flitted from the shadows to his side mr minot said a soft scared little voice ah miss meyrick he cried merciful fate this that they met for the first time since that incident on the ramparts in kindly darkness miss meyrick began minot hurriedly i'm very glad to have a moment alone with you i want to apologize for last night i was mad i did harrowby a very palpable wrong i'm very ashamed of myself as i look back can i hope that you will forget all i said she did not reply but stood looking down at the palms far below can i hope that you will forget and forgive she glanced up at him and her eyes shone in the dusk i can forgive she said softly but i can't forget mr mr minot yes what what is woman's greatest privilege something in the tone of her voice sent a cold chill sweeping through minot's very soul he clutched the rail for support if if you'd answer said the girl it would make it easier for aunt mary's generous form appeared in the doorway 
oh there you are cynthia you are keeping the duchess at dinner waiting cynthia meyrick joined her aunt minot stayed behind a moment below him florida swam in the azure night what had the girl been about to say pulling himself together he went inside and learned that he was to take in to dinner a glorious blonde bridesmaid when they were seated he found that miss meyrick's face was hidden from him by a profusion of florida blossoms he was glad of that he wanted to think think a few others were thinking at that table mrs bruce and the duchess among them mrs bruce was mentally rehearsing the duchess glanced at her the wittiest woman in san marco thought the hostess bah mr paddock meanwhile was toying unhappily with his food he had little to say the attractive young lady he had taken in had already classified him as a bore most unjust of the attractive young lady it's lamentable really mrs bruce was speaking even in our best society conversation has given way to the turkey trot our wits are in our feet where once people talked art music literature now they tango madly it really seems everything you say is true interrupted the duchess blandly i sometimes think the race of the future will be a trotting race mrs bruce started perceptibly her eyes lighted with fire she had been working up to this line herself and the coincidence was passing strange she glared at the hostess mr paddock studied his plate intently i for one went on the duchess of lismore do not dance the tango or the turkey trot nor am i willing to take the necessary steps to learn them a little ripple ran round the table the ripple that up to now had been the exclusive privilege of mrs bruce that lady paled visibly she realized that there was no coincidence here it seems too bad too she said fixing the hostess firmly with an angry eye because women could have the world at their feet if they'd only keep their feet still long enough it was the turn of the duchess to start and start she did as one who could not believe her ears she stared at mrs bruce the wittiest hostess in san marco was militantly under way women are not what they used to be she continued either they are mad about clothes or they go to the other extreme and harbor strange ideas about the vote eugenics what not in fact the sex reminds me of the type of shop that abounds in a small town its specialty is dry goods and notions the duchess pushed away a plate which had only that moment been set before her she regarded mrs bruce with the eye of mrs pankhurst face to face with a prime minister we are hardly kind to our sex she said but i must say i agree with you and the extravagance of women half the women of my acquaintance wear gorgeous rings on their fingers while their husbands wear blue rings about their eyes mrs bruce's face was livid madam she said through her teeth what is it asked the duchess sweetly they sat glaring at each other then with one accord they turned to glare at mr jack paddock mr paddock prince of assurance was blushing furiously 
he stood the combined glare as long as he could then he looked up into the night how how close the stars seem he murmured faintly it was noted afterward that mrs bruce maintained a vivid silence during the remainder of that dinner the duchess on the contrary wrung from her purchased lines every possibility they held and in that embattled setting mr minot sat deaf to the delicious lisp of the debutante at his side what was woman's greatest privilege wasn't it his forehead grew damp his knees trembled beneath the table jephson thacker jephson thacker he said over and over to himself after dinner when the added guests invited by the duchess for the dance crowded the ballroom minot encountered jack paddock mr paddock was limp and pitiable ever apologize to an angry woman he asked ever try to expostulate with a storm at sea i've had it out with mrs bruce offered to do anything to atone she said the best thing i could do would be to disappear from san marco she's right i'm going this is my exit from the butterfly life and i don't intend to say good-bye to the duchess either i wish i could go with you said minot sadly well come along no i-i'll stick it out see you later mr paddock slipped unostentatiously away in the direction of the elevator on a dais hidden by palms the orchestra began to play softly you haven't asked to see my card said cynthia meyrick at minot's side he smiled a wan smile and wrote his name opposite number five she drifted away the music became louder rising to the bright stars themselves the dances that had furnished so much bitter conversation at table began to break out minot hunted up the balcony and stood gazing miserably down at fairyland below there miss meyrick found him when the fifth dance was imminent is it customary for girls to pursue their partners she inquired i'm sorry he said weakly shall we go in it's so so glorious out here he sighed a sigh of resignation he turned to her you ask me what is woman's greatest privilege he said yes is it to change her mind she looked timidly into his eyes it is she whispered faintly the most miserably happy man in history he gasped cynthia it's too late you're to be married to-morrow do you mean you call it all off now at the last minute she nodded her head her eyes on the ground my god he moaned and turned away it would be all wrong to marry harrowby she said faintly because i've come to-i-oh dick can't you see see of course i see he clenched his fists cynthia my dearest below him stretched six stories of open space in his agony he thought of leaping over the rail of letting that be his answer but no it would disarrange things so it might even postpone the wedding cynthia he groaned you can't understand it mustn't be i've given my word i can't explain i can never explain but cynthia cynthia back in the shadow the girl pressed her hands to her burning cheeks a strange love yours 
she said a love that blows hot and cold cynthia that isn't true i do love you please please let us forget she stepped into the moonlight fine brave smiling do we dance cynthia he cried unhappily if you only understood i think i do the music has stopped harrowby has the next dance he'd hardly think of looking for me here she was gone minot stood alone on the balcony he was dazed blind trembling he had refused the girl without whom life could never be worth while refused her to keep the faith he entered upon the bright scene inside slipped unnoticed to the elevator and still dazed descended to the lobby he would walk in the moonlight until his senses were regained near the main door of the de la pax he ran into henry trimmer mr trimmer had a newspaper in his hand what's the matter with the women nowadays he demanded indignantly minot tried in vain to push by him seen what those london suffragettes have done now and trimmer pointed to a headline what have they done asked minot done they put dynamite under the statue of lord nelson in trafalgar square and blew it sky high it fell over into the strand good cried minot wildly good i hope to hell it smashed the whole of london and brushing aside the startled tremor he went out into the night it was nearly twelve o'clock when mr minot somewhat calmer of mind returned to the de la pax as he stepped into the courtyard he was surprised to see a crowd gathered before the hotel then he noticed that from a second-floor window poured smoke and flame and that the town fire department was wildly getting into action he stopped his heart almost ceased beating that was her window the window to which he had called her on that night that seemed so far away last night breathlessly he ran forward and he ran straight into a group just descended from the ballroom of that group cynthia meyrick was a member for a moment they stood gazing at each other then the girl turned to her aunt my wedding dress she cried i left it lying on my bed oh i can't possibly be married to-morrow if that is burned there was a challenge in that last sentence and the young man for whom it was intended did not miss it mad with the injustice of life he swooped down on a fireman struggling with a wobbly ladder snatching away the ladder he placed it against the window from which the smoke and flame poured he ran up it here shouted the chief of the fire department laying angry hands on the ladder's base what you doing you can't go in there why the devil can't i bellowed minot let go of that ladder he plunged into the room the smoke filled his nostrils and choked him his eyes burned he staggered through the smoky dusk into another room his hands met the brass bars of a bed then closed over something soft and filmy that lay upon it he seized the something close and hurried back into the other room a fireman at another window sought to turn a stream of water on him water on that gown cut that out you fool minot shouted the fireman who had suspected himself of saving a human life looked hurt minot regained his window disheveled smoky but victorious he half fell half climbed to the ground 
the fire chief faced him who was you trying to rescue the chief demanded his eyes grew wide you idiot he roared they ain't nobody in that dress damn it i know that minot cried he ran across the lawn and stood a panting limp battered ludicrous figure before cynthia meyrick i i hope it's the right one he said and held out the gown she took his offering and came very close to him i hate you she said in a low tone i hate you i i was afraid you would he muttered a shout from the fireman announced that the blaze was under control to his dismay minot saw that an admiring crowd was surrounding him he broke away and hurried to his room cynthia meyrick's final words to him rang in his ears savagely he tore at his ruined collar was this ridiculous farce never to end as if in answer a distant clock struck twelve he shuddered to-morrow at high noon End of chapter nineteen